Welcome to the North Main Podcast, a production of North Main Street Church of God in Butler, Pennsylvania. This podcast brings you North Main's messages every week. We strive to know God intimately, grow in Christ continually, and go for Him daily. I invite you to listen in today as we explore the Bible and learn about its unchanging truths for living life God's way. Let's listen in to this week's message. Good morning, North Main. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, my name is Matt. Uh, I am a uh, pastor here on staff, and uh, we are just uh, so thankful that you are here with us this morning. Um, I'll just be honest with you. I have been under the weather this past week and uh, still in the recovery, so I might not be my uh, normal chipper self, um, but I will will try my very, um, I'll try my very hardest uh, to bring God's word to you this morning. And uh, We're going to be kicking off a new uh, sermon series here, and it's to start off our new, um, coming like back into the swing of our our fall schedule, getting back into the swing of the school season. Um, If you have young ones, you know that like getting back into it, it's been a little bit of a... uh, for, for me and my, uh, and my family, it's been a little bit of a hurdle to get over, getting all the girls back into uh, going to school every day and getting them up from, for the bus and all that kind of stuff. So getting back into that routine. Uh, and we wanted to start off this school year and this new kind of cycle and season of ministry um, with an idea about um, taking an action, a step towards actually living out our faith in a real way. We, we do a lot of um, things where we talk about um, action points and, and, what, and how to take things out into the world, and, and we do that a lot here. Um, but sometimes it gets really hard to really say, okay, well, what do I do next, right? What do I do next? And so when we were sitting and planning and trying to come up with what do we want this, uh, this kind of kickoff, this launch into the school year to look like, um, we came up with this idea of this new uh, series called Kindness 24-7, uh, where we're going to be encouraging one another. We're going to be encouraging um, you and, and, and ourselves to be going out into the people that we engage with every day and living out our faith, living out our kindness 24-7. We're going to be looking at, uh, it's a really cool series where we're going to be looking at acts of kindness that Jesus uh, did. And so we're, each week we're going to be looking through um, how Jesus interacted with people just in his everyday life, um, people where he maybe just bumped into these people, people where um, he came into contact with them, not out of a plan or out of a, uh, a uh, ministry kind of you know, thing or, or even something that was uh, really, really uh, planned out. It was a lot of times... Jesus' life was chaotic, and so he ended up uh, just, you think about some of his interactions where it's literally just people bumping into him in the crowd, Uh, and, and and he has these really powerful, kind moments. And when we were looking at kindness, we wanted to look at uh what does it mean to truly be kind? Because when we look at our, our world, and specifically our country right now, um, our, our country and our world don't look very kind. Uh, if you are like me, when you go out into the world, there's not a lot of kindness to be experienced. Um, a lot of the interactions are very um, abrupt or they're very... Um, aggravated or they're very agitated. I don't know if if you go out to do any kind of shopping a lot of times, even just trying to weave your way in throughout the crowd, uh, you get dirty looks or you get, you know, people. And and I don't mean to judge anyone because if you've encountered me in Walmart or something, I probably have that same just like, right? Because I don't want to be there either. So um, I'm not blaming anyone, but it's just that's the way our world is, is that a lot of times what we're experiencing when we're stepping outside of our doors and even sometimes in our own homes is not a lot of kindness. And as Christians, we are called to look different. Um, In that song that we were just uh, singing, one of the really cool lines at the very beginning, it talks about... um, if we bear his name. And I always really like that line because it's powerful. It reminds me of of what it means to call myself a Christian. If I bear his name. Uh, A lot of times, as as many of you know, I work for my family um, business and uh, 
we have all sorts of uh, company vehicles, and they have the, the, uh, our company name on the side of the vehicle. And so I, I end up driving those vehicles quite a bit. And uh, a lot of times, uh, for better or for worse, my driving changes whenever I am in a company vehicle. Uh, because a lot of times I am much less aggressive. I'm, I'm much more adherent to the strictness of the law. Um, and I, I you know, will admit that before you, that you know, whenever I'm in my own car, it's like I'm zipping in and out and you know, I'm doing that. And, but when I'm in a company car and it has the name on the side, I know in my head, I'm like, well, I don't want to like try to cut this guy off because they're going to curse out my company's name for the rest of their life. You know, they're going to say, I never want to buy anything from that person again. And I should be thinking that way all the time, and I admit it. Um, but the truth is, is that whenever I have this name, when I'm bearing the name of the company, I'm behaving differently. Um, when I have my, I have a polos and t-shirts that have the company name on it, and when I'm wearing those, a lot of times I'm behaving differently because I want people to have a good idea of what the company looks like. And so I think about that whenever I hear that song, to bear his name, to call myself a Christian, then a lot of times I think to myself, man, it's, it's really, um, it really convicts me. It's convicting right, in that line because uh, I think to myself, well, if I do bear his name, then it should affect how I behave. It should affect how I am. Whenever I'm out, it should be like I have that sign on it. I have that badge. I have the company name on the side of my vehicle, right? Um, and so today we're going to look at what does it mean to actually live that out, to be kind. Uh, we're not going to jump into one of, of Christ's kindness. To, to launch this kind of out, we're going to look at just what the Bible tells us about living as a Christian, to bear his name. Uh, and what it means to look like that inside of um, this world that does not bear his name. And so uh, today we're going to be diving in. We're going to be looking at uh, the book of Ephesians. And uh, we're going to be in Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. A little bit of background about Ephesians, just because I like to do that, because I think it adds context to what we're reading. Um, Ephesians, the town of Ephesus... Uh, was the was the place where the church of um, Ephesus was located, and it was started by Paul. And I believe, I, don't quote me, but I believe it was on Paul's third missionary trip where he spends um, about three years in Ephesus planting this church. Um, and Ephesus was not a small city. Ephesus was the fourth largest city in the uh, Roman Empire. So uh, just to put it in perspective, the population of Ephesus was uh, estimated to be about 500,000 people. Uh, the population of Pittsburgh is like 300,000 something. So this is a town that is a city that is bigger than Pittsburgh. Um, it is a, a city that is bigger than a lot of our fairly large sized cities in our country. Um, and so you end up looking at, and that's just like the city proper is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about like the outside. Um, but um, this town is large, right? It's a, it's a large city. It's a, it's a metropolitan city. It's a, uh, it's a growing city. It's a place where they have um, a very, very famous uh, uh, temple to Artemis. So you have a lot of people coming in to do worship for other, um, for other religions. So you have a lot of people coming in doing trading and, uh, and doing just different religious things. So this is kind of a hotbed for a lot of places. And it makes sense that Paul would have picked it to um, be one of the places where he kind of spends a lot of time on a missionary trip. He plants a church there. And then from that church, um, a lot of the other churches in the areas actually get planted. Uh, he uses it kind of like a headquarters, um, and uh, so a lot of people believe that the church at Colossae, so when you read the book of Colossians, uh, that church probably sprang out of this, either from Paul um, branching out from the book of, or the church of Ephesus, or one of the people from that church doing missionary work out and starting it. Um, and so what ended up happening is you have a very large city, you have, um, you have a group of um, Christians, it's very small, 
right? Uh, and they are being bombarded by ideas. You have this city that is not only a large city where it's being uh, for trade and things, but it's also a large city for uh, religion, like I said. And so uh, you have all these just a swirling ideas about who God is and how to worship God. And, uh, and these Christians are kind of, I just picture it as like a... Uh, uh, tiny sailboat just being like rocked, you know, in the middle of a, of a giant ocean. And Paul is constantly trying to reassure them, give them truth. And one of the things that was happening, and this was happening not only in the church in Ephesus, but in every church that got planted in the early, um, early church days, uh, was that there was a common theme of, uh, so just kind of a little bit of background is that traveling pastors would come around to these churches. These churches most likely and most of the time met in homes. And so you had these traveling pastors who would come around and they'd come in and they'd say, hey, um, I studied with so-and-so and I can, I can teach you a little bit more about maybe some of the gaps that you have in your theology. Let me tell you a little bit more, because if you think about it, they didn't have the Bible, and they didn't have pastors, most of them didn't have pastors that spoke into them every uh, week or even every, you know, uh, once a month. So they would meet regularly, and they would go over the things that they knew, uh, but anytime they could get a new scrap of information, anytime they could get new teaching or someone to come in, they welcomed it. And uh, what ended up happening in the churches is that uh, people started taking advantage of that. Uh, people started to figure out that these people were thirsty for knowledge. These people were hungry for the word. And so people were like, well, I, I can give them some words, <laughs> right? Uh, it's pretty easy. So they just would walk in and they'd say, uh, you know, why don't I stay with you for a little while? You can feed me. You can house me. And uh, you can give me a tithe. Sure, yeah, to, to help my ministry. And I will tell you all sorts of things. Let me help you and expound upon your ministry. And what we see is throughout the New Testament, over and over and over again, the people who were the true disciples, the founding fathers of the church, were trying to combat these snake oil salesmen. They were trying to send letters to the church to say, these people, you're inviting them into your church and you're listening to them and they aren't right. They aren't telling you truth. They're feeding you lies. They're trying to take advantage of you. And so what ends up happening is the exact same thing. We, we actually see this, um, if you read through uh, any of the books by Peter, um, Peter was trying to combat this, so Peter was writing out letters to all the churches, um, if you read his works in the New Testament, and you see him saying the same thing. He's saying, hey, you're allowing these people to come in and they're teaching you the wrong things. You see this in uh, James and Jude. These are the brothers of Jesus. They say it. They send out letters to the churches, and they say, listen, you're allowing these people to come in, and they're telling you the wrong things. And what's really interesting, why it's really cool to read these things and take it in today is because this is happening right now, currently. Um, what we're seeing, especially in, in America, and uh, well, it's, it's anywhere in, actually in the modern world, it's, it's very interesting um, we have the most access to Scripture, and what we're finding, uh, you can look it up through Gallup polls, you can look it up through different things that they, different studies they've been doing, is that we see that the United States and different areas in Europe are becoming very scripturally illiterate. They aren't reading the Bible. They are listening to the words of whoever will come. They're thirsty for it. They're hungry for it. They want to hear but well, I'll, I'll click on this YouTube video, and I'll watch this person. Oh, they've got some good words. I like what they're saying. They sound really good. And it's amazing to see the parallels between what's happening now and what's happening then, is that we have a, a population who's lost and, and hurting and is hungry and is just totally, totally, totally searching for truth, and yet when the truth is here, it is difficult to, to dig into it, and it's difficult to understand and to parcel it out. And sometimes it says things that we don't like, things that I personally don't like. There's things that I read and I say, I, 
do not. I wish this was not in here. And sometimes in my own arrogance or foolishness, I choose to ignore them or I choose to try and search in other directions. Maybe I can figure out how to weasel my way around this. Or maybe there's another interpretation of how this could go. Oh yeah, I like that interpretation better. But the truth of it is, is that the truth is here and the truth tells us very specific things. Uh, one of the things that these uh, snake oil salesmen were coming through and they were telling the church, um, and this was common, and it's because it's the oldest lie that we've heard from the very beginning. Um, the, the serpent in the Garden of Eden uh, spoke this lie. He said, well, didn't God really say that? Did he really say that? It's this idea of this question, well, did, he, did it really say that? And so these people, they were coming to the church and they were saying, okay, Jesus Christ died for our sins, which means if he died for our sins and all your sins are forgiven, then it doesn't really matter if you continue to sin. And it doesn't really matter if you've done that thing because you will be forgiven. You have been forgiven because he's died for your sins. So every sin you commit is already forgiven. So you can commit all the sins because they're already forgiven. It's actually logically, it's kind of convincing when you think about it. It's saying that, that Christ has died for my sins, right? I believe that my sins have been washed by his blood, which includes all my future sins. So in kind of a weird, twisted way, I could say, well, then I might as well not worry about sinning because all my sins going forward are covered by the blood of Christ, that thinking is true, and yet it's that slight lie, because it's more of an emotional lie. It's like a, it's a it's a understanding lie. It's this idea of that is true, all my future sins, but I should do everything I can to lessen those. Why would I want to increase the suffering of my Lord and Savior? Every sin that I committed was a sin that He bore. Every sin that I'm going to commit is a sin that he bore. And why would I want to add to that suffering? And so there's that key there that they are forgetting. But what ends up happening is that all these people, these churches, start saying, well, that sounds a lot better, right? I like doing what these guys are saying. And so this is what's happening today in our world. They're saying, we, I've talked about it before, if you're up on um, kind of what's happening in the culture of the church uh, nationwide, um, there's this really big movement called deconstructing. It's this idea of looking at your faith and taking it apart brick by brick down to its foundation. And, and most of the time when people do it, what they call deconstructing, they dismantle all their faith, and when it's down to the bottom, they find that there's nothing there. And, and the truth, what I truly feel, is that um, they haven't built the foundation on Christ. Because if you, Paul does deconstructing, uh, Peter does deconstructing, and yet in every instance, they end up back at the foundation of Christ, which is where we should as well. So I'm not disparaging the idea of deconstructing your faith, of looking at what you thought you knew and saying, is this really real? Have I been told lies? Have I, have I accepted snake oil salesmen? Have I, have I listened to this uh, preacher because I thought that they were good, but they were just tickling my ears? Because, did, did I build my, my faith on these things? So deconstruction by my book is, is necessary and is welcome. I've done it many times in my life. But what we're seeing in our country is that our church has failed to build a foundation. And so when these people are deconstructing, they're finding nothing at the bottom. And so they're saying, well, this is nothing. And I've come to the end, and now I can walk away feeling peace. And we see this happening in our culture because they have not, like I said, they haven't built that foundation on Christ and they haven't experienced this idea of true change. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is 
In Ephesians, when Paul is writing to this church, he's writing to a church that is just being bombarded with ideas. And what he tries, and we're going to read through it, what he tries to reassure to them is, remember your foundation. And if you remember your foundation, you can start to build from that. And you can build, and there's simple steps to do this. And you need to remember that foundation, the truth. So we'll read this here. It's Ephesians 4, 17. It says, With the Lord's authority I say this, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life that God gives them, uh, because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure, and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. You say, remember that foundation. Since you've heard about Jesus and you've learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell truth, our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting your anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, then quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to those who don't have and are in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. This is a very cool um, passage where it talks about this idea that the people have forgotten their foundation. And it's a simple foundation. He says, remember Christ. And remember the truth that you found in him. And then they give some simple action steps. And this is where we're going to encourage you. See, when we look throughout this series at Christ, we see that he lived a life that was, in a way, very simple. And we want to complicate it a lot of times. It was hard, but it was simple. He allowed himself to experience people in such a way that he could be kind to them and tenderhearted. He looked different than the world, and so people were drawn to him. And so this is what Paul is saying in this passage. To sum it up, we're going to talk a little bit about this, break it down into points. But to sum it up, he's saying, listen... These people are coming and telling you, you can live however you want and still be saved. And he says, yeah, that's true. The basis of that statement is true. Paul, later on in a different um, passage, he says that eventually we will all be tested by the fire. And he says, if you're standing on the foundation of Christ, he said, you'll pass through the fire. And he said, everything will be burned and you will get through just by the skin of your teeth. He says, but if you've built on that foundation in the truth of Christ, doing the things that Christ tells you to do, then that will pass through the fire as well on the foundation. So we get this idea that, yeah, it is true. These these men were, were telling the church a truth. They were saying, yeah, you can act however you want. You can be selfish. You can be angry all the time. You can be hurtful to people. You can steal from people. You can do all these things. He's saying you can do all of those things, and yes, you can still have salvation because the truth of the matter is that Christ has covered my sin if I accept him as my Savior. 
And yet, he's saying, remember your foundation. Remember what you've built your faith on and the truth of what he says, the truth of who he is. And that gets us to our very first point today. Um, the, the, the key point is that kindness results in shedding the old sinful life and allowing the Spirit to renew our thoughts and attitudes with our new nature in Christ. It's this idea that if we genuinely believe who Christ is, if we read through his word and see the way that he interacted with people, then we can't have any other option but to behave differently than what the world does. We can't continue to be in our own sinful ways. And trust me, as I was preparing this sermon, I was convicted by this verse. Because there's a lot of times where I'm like, listen, I want to do the things that I want to do. I don't want to have uh, this be my priority. I like the things over here, and I want to spend my time doing them, or I want to do this that God has not called me to do. And sometimes it's even things where it's like, this isn't healthy or good for me. And yet I enjoy it. So I'm going to be over here. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, this is not what God has called us to do or to be. And that's not freedom either. It's not freedom to experience life the way that it was intended to be. Our first point here is that if we look at verse 21... It says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Our first point is that Christ is truth. When we're trying to figure out how to do life, when we're trying to figure out how to live this world, when we're looking at the world and we see nothing but anger, when I'm walking through um, my everyday life and and I'm interacting with people, I have to remember that Christ is truth. That's what Paul was trying to remind this church. That's what, because there's so much in this world that is trying to bombard me and tell me that it's truth. And it's the opposite of what Christ is saying in this word. It's just, it's, I, I think about it so often is that I'll, I'll get so riled up and so um, preoccupied with just all these things. The news is telling me certain things. You know, social media is telling me certain things. Uh, television's telling me certain things. And I'll find myself just being, you know, uh, very oppressed mentally just by all the worries and troubles that I'm, I'm experiencing. Man, how can I fix this? Or how can we fix this? Or what can we do? And then I think about the Bible, and the Bible tells us worry not about today, right? And sometimes we're like, oh yeah, okay, sure, yeah, I need to take a breath. Well, and take a, take a minute and get back to it. But that's not what the verse says. He says, literally, don't worry about these things. The Bible has a different way of looking at life, and it's hard because we want to worry about it. Whenever I worry about things, it feels like I have a piece of control over it. That's why I worry about them. It gives me a sense of control. I know that that's very strange, but that's, that's how I view it in my own mind. If I can worry about it and think about ideas on how to fix it or to do this, then I feel like I have control over the situation in a tiny little bit. And what God is saying is like, listen, we all know stress, anxiety, those things are not good for us. They're not good for our health. God knew that, and he's like, listen, I didn't build you to worry about these things, and I didn't build you to fix these things, so let go, because you're going to end up hurting yourself. He says, what I've asked you to do, what I've created you to do, is listen to me. And a lot of times we're like, yeah, but God, I, there's all these problems, there's something over there that I, I, I really need to take care of, and he's like, I've asked you to clean up this little patch right here. That doesn't sound glamorous. It might not be great. And you might not like doing it. But that's what I called you to do. 
That's what this whole idea is, is this kindness 24-7. And it's something that I really, really grappled with um, early on in my, my ministry. I just would get overwhelmed with how can, I, how can I do these things? And you see how many times I've said I. How can I fix these things? How can I, how can I get more people in these doors or how can I do these? And I was... It's caused me a lot of anxiety. It's caused me a lot of struggle. And I, I would actually have these kind of back and forth in my mind with God because I would say, well, what, did you, what do you actually want me to do? You know, you're not following my plan. And it was really, I've, I've, I think I've shared this on, on stage here before, but um, is the parable of the Good Samaritan that really changed my, my perspective and one of the reasons is, is the, the parable of the Good Samaritan is, uh, is the Good Samaritan wasn't planning on going out and doing any kind of kindness that day. It wasn't in his plans. He didn't have, he wasn't like on his way out like, okay, uh, there, I've heard there's a lot of people getting robbed along this road, so I really want to make sure. He had other business. He, he was going about his life. And then at that moment... When it presented him to himself, when, whenever he saw the need, he followed what God had called him to do, which was to help his neighbor, to love his neighbor, to show kindness. And so this is where um, I'm encouraging you to kind of to kick this off and going forward in this next, uh, this next few weeks is remind yourself as the day goes on that Christ is the truth. Christ is the truth. There's a lot of things, a lot of voices pointing you in other directions, but he will point you back to what is true. And the number two, this is in verse 22, the verse right after this. It says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Number two, it says, the truth should lead us to change our thoughts and behaviors. As again, this is what Paul is trying to tell this church. He's saying, listen, you know the truth, and that truth should dictate how you behave. It shouldn't be what other people tell you. It shouldn't be what you hear on, you know, this radio station or on this TV station or whatever, um, just because you look at it and you say, well, that, I really like the sounds of so I'm going to behave in that way because I like behaving in that way. And Paul's saying, no, listen, you know the truth. And in other passages, Paul says it this way. He says, I came to you and taught you the truth. So I know you know it. And a lot of times when we are going through um, life, again, it's in this, uh, it's in our society, it's this prevalent problem where we have such access to Scripture, and yet we don't want to dig into it. And there's a lot of times when I, I talk to people, and uh, they'll, they'll say something about their theology. And I, I'll say, oh, where did you, where did that come from? Because uh, I'm curious about it. I'm not, again, I, I if you know me, um, you know that I like engaging about theological things, and I'm very, very open to having open discussions. I try not to shut people down. I try very, very hard to, uh, to discuss with people. So a lot of times somebody will come to me, and, and they'll have an idea, and to me it's a very, very off idea. And I'll say, well, where did you hear that? Where did you read that? Where do you, where do you find that in Scripture? Oh, no, no, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure, but this person, if you, if you read this person, Okay, that's my first kind of red flag. If you read this person, well, if that person didn't point you to where it is in here, then that person's not doing a good job. That person is speaking words that they want you to hear because they want your money, most likely. I'll just be blunt. That's what the old, that's what's happening in this book in Ephesians. These people wanted their money, so they would tell them what they wanted to hear. You personally should have an idea of what it says here and what you're called to do. And Paul, just to kind of reiterate it, he says, in case you did forget, right? I've already told you, 
I made sure you did, but in case you did forget, this is how he ends um, this verse, right? He goes, he lists off things. He's like, so stop telling lies. He goes, it's not really that hard. He goes, I want you to be kind to people. So if you're telling lies to people, stop telling lies to people. He goes, we need to tell truth because we are bearers of the truth. We bear God's name. We are called Christians. We should be truthful. Don't let your anger control you, right? Don't fall into sin. So he just lists off these things. Don't let anger stuff your thief. Stop, stop stealing. Don't use foul or abusive language. It's interesting because um, that last one a lot of times uh, we struggle with. If, if you work in like a, a blue-collar setting, uh, much like I do, um, you know, curse words fly, you know, <laughs> easier than, than, than you can imagine. And so it's hard not to just kind of reiterate those, you know, or, or like, you know, speak them back out whenever, whenever you're uh, kind of get into that swing. And uh, I was having a discussion with my daughter the one day, and, and we were watching a movie, and they said, you know, they said a curse word in it. And she, I said, well, that, you, can't, you shouldn't say that word. And she said, why shouldn't I say that word? And I said, well, it's a bad word. And, and well, why can't I say they're just words, right? And we were having this discussion, and, and I said to her, I said, well, the word is just a word. It has no power other than what we give it, right? I could make up a word right now and tell you that it means something, and there I've invented a curse word, right? And, but it means nothing but what all of you respond to it as. So I said to her, the word is a word, and, and it could lose its power and it could gain power. New, new words come in and out. I said, but it's all about how the words make someone feel. And I said, if, if the word makes someone feel bad, then it's not necessary. And it's interesting because uh, this idea, it's not just swear words, but it's language in general. Uh, well, why can't I speak this way? I've had this discussion and, and hear me out. Um, uh, I'm trying to tread lightly, I'm trying to say the right words. Certain politicians um, have made it their stance uh, to run on the idea that they speak their minds, they say what they want. Um, and all I will say to that is that if you aren't kind in how you say things, then you aren't being an example of Christ. Um, if you can't express your mind in a kind way, then I, I question if Christ is in your mind. Um, if, you, if you can't use words that are uplifting and encouraging to people, then I just, I question what's in your heart, genuinely. Um, and so there are times when I get upset, and there are times when I disagree with people, and in those times, I try my very hardest to watch my tongue, because the Bible says so. And so it's this interesting thing where there's, there's certain things where it's something as simple as language. Again, this idea where it's like, I want to do what I want to do. And this, this word doesn't mean anything. I can say what I want to say. And if you don't have a thick enough skin, well, then you just better, you know, you better get one. How many times I've heard that? Hey, this is the same idea of what was happening in this church in Ephesus. It's what's pervading into our churches right now. Behave however you'd like. As long as you say that you're a Christian, then you're good. And this is what was happening in Ephesus. And Paul was saying, no, it's not. That's not right. It was first off, again, I can't be the judge. Paul has said it before, just as I will repeat Paul in this. I can't judge you, and I will not ever begin to judge whether or not, to judge your standing with, with God. I will never, ever, ever stand to that point, because the minute I do, if I start acting as judge um, in that way, then, then uh, I, I don't want the responsibility of that. <laughs> And, and uh, the Bible has said that uh, no person does. Um, and so I won't begin to do that. But if someone professes to be a Christian, bears the name of Christ, and their life looks so different, and their words look so different, Christ had challenging words. 
words that make me uncomfortable and words that make me convicted. So those aren't things that I'm afraid of. Someone can convict me. Someone can uh, can come to me, and and uh, if you again, if you know me, I'm I'm very open to constructive criticism. It's one of the things that I pride myself on. <laughs> I was wondering if we get a couple of chuckles. Um, so one of the things is is that I do enjoy I enjoy getting criticism because I enjoy being told how to improve. I don't feel like you can unless you you do it. Now sometimes I might hear a criticism and I might be like I don't agree with that. <laughs> so you know I'll take it. Uh, and I've kind of gotten okay with doing that as well. When you are a preacher, everyone has an opinion on how you preach and how you speak and different things like that. So, but one of the things that I have learned throughout. Um, my time of, of kind of taking these things in is that um, I have to be open to that correction. Just like I would hope that all of us are open to that correction. Just as Paul was trying to tell these people to be open to this correction and to be open to changing. It's not lost. There's nothing lost here. Paul isn't discouraged. He's saying, listen, just stop doing what you're doing and shift focus a little bit. And so here, I'm encouraged. The last point here um, is we must look different from the world. And why I'm encouraged is because I think it's very possible. I genuinely think right now our country specifically is primed to experience something that looks different. To experience a kindness in a way of life that looks different than the, what they're being fed. The world is being told, do what you want. Claim the name of Christ if you want. Do what you want. It doesn't really matter. None of it really matters. That's the mentality of our country. That's the mentality of our world right now. Do what you want. Live however you want. Live what you want. And the Bible, it says something different. And so I want to encourage you. I, I, again, I'm excited. We, we've got this, uh, this very cool series coming where we're going to be looking at how Christ lived different. He saw the people that he engaged with. He was willing to be a kindness to them. Think about, think about who he was, again, and who he is. God of the universe. He has everything on his shoulders. He has a mission to come. He knows he's going to die. He's walking around. He knows he has to say certain things at certain points to fulfill certain prophecies. He has to be in certain places. He's orchestrating this plan. And then this person comes up and says, I, I have this problem. Most of us would be like, okay. Think about, I mean, just, like, think about, like, even just our country, the President of the United States, however you feel about that person. If I walked up to that person in a crowd and said, hey, I've, uh, I'm, I'm having trouble, um, I can't find a job right now. What's he going to do? Walk away? <laughs> Everyone in that position will. Because... They can't. They don't have time. They don't have this ability. And a lot of times in our own lives, that's how we feel. We look and we just say, we have so much going on. And what I want to encourage you, what I want to encourage you through this and why I wanted to start out the way I did in the sermon was, I want to encourage you to step back from taking on those burdens of the world. Release those just the way that Christ has called us to do. Remember your foundation in him. And then be willing to go out and say, well, whatever comes my way, I will try to live in such a way that looks different. So when I experience this person, I give them the smile or I say hello. How was your day? Are you, are you, how are you feeling? Oh, you know, I, I heard that something happened. Are you, is everything all right? Do you need any help? Instead of, hey. And we're all, I'm, I'm calling myself out on this too. There are many times when I'm like that, where I have my own ideas, my own mind, my own everything is just focused. And, you know, I don't have time for anybody or anything. 
And I think what this series is about and what we're trying to do here is that show that even God of the universe, with all of his responsibilities and all his things, was willing to take time and pause for things that came to him, things that came within his sphere of influence. Good Samaritan experiencing this on the side of the road. And Paul is saying to this church in Ephesians, that's how you're called to live. You're called to live in such a way where you're meant to be kind to these people when you experience and come in contact with them. So I want to tell you a little bit about how we want to do this practically. Uh, As you walked in, you may have seen um, at the back of the sanctuary, out the back doors on the walls back there, there's a big sign that says uh, kindness 24-7. And there are tags uh, thumb, thumb, uh, push pinned like up onto the uh, the board, and each tag has just a idea of an act of kindness. We we thought a lot of times um, we struggle with how what does that look like? Okay, maybe I I'm not trying to go out of my way. I am just trying to allow the things to happen. But when it does happen, I don't know what to do. Right? I I we're so foreign to this idea of what it looks like to be kind. I know that's strange, but we struggle. I struggle in that moment. And so those are ideas. They're promptings uh, on the back there to say, hey, you know, when you, when you bump in, it's something as simple as a smile. And, and again, they've, they've got a bunch of different ideas back there, so they're all different. Um, on them is labeled, uh, they did kind of give the ideas more uh, age-appropriate and different kind of directionally. So there are some for like children, youth, you know, that kind of stuff like that, Um, family ones. And then there are a couple mystery ones where it's just like uh, you pull that out and it's like we're encouraging you to try to do what's in the envelope. If you take it and and try to do it, we promise there's nothing that's going to be, you know, terrible in there. Um, They're just acts of simple kindness. And What we're trying to do here is, if you've ever tried to build a habit, um, trying to live where something becomes an everyday part of your life, it takes time. And at first, it's awkward. And a lot of times, you have to purposefully do it um, and actively go out of your way. And then eventually, it becomes something that is second nature. And so that's what this idea is, is we're encouraging you to take one of those cards um, throughout the week, try to uh, fulfill it, try to do this act of kindness, try to do something when the people that are in your influence, the people that you come into contact with. Uh, And then there's, on the card, there's information on how you can upload uh, your experience. That's another thing where in uh, in the Bible, it talks a lot about sharing um, the history of our experiences. If you notice in the Old Testament when uh, they were talking about God, a lot of times when they named God, they say the God of Jacob, of Isaac. You know, they, they, they list it. He's the one that delivered us from Egypt. They do this big list of all these things. And you may be wondering, well, why did they do that? It's because over time, we tend to forget what God has done. And so when we over and over and over again, reiterate that story and say, he's the God that delivered us from Egypt, that split the Red Sea. He is the God that did this. He is the God that delivered us. He is the God that sent Christ. He is the God that died on the cross for us. When we say these things over and over again, it keeps it fresh in our mind. And so one of the ideas is that, uh, if you have a good experience, if you do an act of kindness, this is not something to like pat ourselves on the back, but it's to show where God shows up. I did this thing and this person, they acted in a way that was really unexpected and, and it led to this conversation. Or, you know, I did this and this happened and I, I never would have imagined that. We want to hear those stories genuinely. And again, not to pat ourselves on the back, but to show what God does and what he's currently doing. So there is information on those cards to uh, upload your story. If you have a story, it's something that's cool, you can, you can film it, you can type it. There's ways you can, uh, can send it in to us so that we can share it with the congregation. Um, and so we want to encourage you to do that. 
Because I genuinely think, I, again, I say I'm encouraged because right now, it's like, it's like we, uh, this ocean idea at the beginning, right? That church in Ephesus is this little lifeboat and these waves are coming and everything's coming. And yet, I feel like everyone's kind of in that scenario right now. And I feel like we have this life-saving like vessel, you know, just coming through. And we can, we can reach out to people, but they're not sure whether or not they want to get on the ship. <laughs> they're not sure whether or not it matters to get on the ship or if it matters to be a Christian, to bear his name, because the world's telling them that it doesn't. And so we want to show them that it does. It changes who you are. It changes how you behave. It changes how you interact with people. And you look different. So I encourage you. I'm excited about this series. I'm excited about um, the things to come. And I'm excited to dig into what Christ uh his kindness looked like and how he interacted with the people there. So I'm going to invite the uh, worship team to come on back up with us. And uh, as they come up, I would invite you to join me in prayer. Dear God, we just, uh, we come before you this morning and we, uh, we lift you up. We thank you so much for sending your son for providing that foundation that we can build upon. God, so often we listen to the other voices, to the things that cause us fear and discouragement and worry. And God, you, you have made it simple. In our minds, we, we, we make it hard. But you said, listen, I've taken care of the world I have. I have provided you a way to salvation and all I ask is that you obey. And so we, God, as we hear those words from you, we pray that that is our heart, that we can go out and live lives of kindness and joy and peace and love. If there's things that are not pleasing or uplifting to you, things that don't benefit other people, that don't uplift other people, God, we, we pray that we give those things up, that we focus our attention and time into trying to be light and salt. Thanks for joining us this week. Check back next week as we dig deeper and go further in our understanding of God's Word. Make sure to visit us on our website, www.northmaincog.org, where you can learn more about us. If you found value in today's message, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be helpful too. Donating to the ongoing ministry of North Main is easy. Just go to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week.